Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bullshit Detective podcast. My name's Dave Brown and today I had the pleasure to talk to the delightful Helen Judney. Uh, Helen is, she's a cow, she's a complaining cow. She helps businesses to, well, to deal with complaints a bit better, be a bit more human, be a bit more nice about it and a bit more approachable, all that kind of thing. So we had a bit about a bit of blah, 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 blah. we had a bit of a chat about that, um, and actually a bit of a chat about where it, where it all came from, how she came to be what she is today. Uh, so please do have a listen. I hope you enjoy it. Remember to subscribe wherever you usually get your podcasts, and I will catch you briefly at the end. Bye bye. Hello, Helen. Hello. How are you doing? Let's try again. Yes. Let's try again, shall we? We will do. We will do. Let's. Um, so I suppose the best thing to do first would be just to, I suppose, recap a little bit on where we where we got to yesterday. So um, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, yes. I don't know, just just um, tell me a little bit about your sort of career leading up to becoming the complaining cow. <laughs> oh yeah are we are we starting all over again well I think I think I think just for purposes I mean so a little bit about your your sort of career so you, yeah. you know you obviously had a, you had a career in sort of child services a little bit about that um yeah. and then I think we should sort of touch back on the on the magazine at yeah. school and just just that it sort of sets the sets the scene for yep. people yeah fine okay um I was a nursery nurse many 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 years ago and I was pretty crap at it <laughs> and uh, I went uh, sort of to uni as, as a as a mature uh, student. Yep. Um, as in the sort of in the uh, sort of a dictionary <laughs> version of what mature is. Yeah. Um, and uh, a degree, and then I sort of went into managing the people who could work with children, and um, so, so I was much better at leading and managing than than doing it face to face. Um. And so I worked in um, play services and uh, preventative and early intervention stuff. Yep. So um, helping sort of children in participation and consultation, making sure that you know they get their rights and that kind of stuff, and and sort of preventing bigger things from from um, happening, like short start and children's centres and stuff. So that's that's sort of what I was doing work wise. Um, and then in 2008, uh, I had a baby and yep. uh, I was doing some consultancy. And then that sort of dried up in the sort of the first, I'll say the first, the um, financial problems around that time. And um, so I was doing a hobby and I was doing uh, my blog and yep. uh, it sort of grew because I was just I was just doing a, a fun blog of talking about getting money back from companies that had annoyed me or <laughs> basically yep. broken consumer law and uh yeah so it sort of grew from that hobby and then sort of people were asking me for my help and then I grew the blog to do more stuff you know sort of um how to complain effectively and um here are the consumer laws for this kind of situation and that kind of situation and then started doing stuff in the media and then noticed there was a great big gap in the market for a book and wrote a book and um yeah no one and so <laughs> and now i'm on my third so that's that's where i'm at really yeah and the books have been going strong for for quite some time haven't they yeah i wrote the book in the how to complain i wrote in uh well, published in uh 2014 and i update that regularly but it's still a bestseller six years on yeah yeah 
so, so I suppose it's you know it's, it's interesting sort of an interesting story in terms of you know it's not like you you set out to do that um no. you know and, and I think often this is how that this is how really uh, well successful businesses start by 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 people who've got a bit of passion for something mm. so they just start mm. doing it and it grows I mean even if you look at you know the, the real big ones things like Apple you know um a, a bunch of hippies in a garage you know making computers and it and it grows and grows um but but behind that is something more meaningful. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, when we, when we attempted this yesterday, we, we did talk a little bit about that in terms of you, you know, sort of early experiences in life. And you told me about the, the, the magazine that you started um, when you were at school, I think about the age of, and that was quite young. That was about the age of 11, something like that. If you, if, yeah, if I was, yeah, I was about, yeah, I was about 11, 11, 12 when um, I'd, uh, the first thing was that I'd, sort of got me into all this kind of stuff was that in um uh yeah let me start again that the the two things because there was the the magazine but there was also the fact that I wrote to Jackie magazine oh yes uh I wrote to Jackie magazine and did a did a letter for those that remember the Jackie magazines of (laughs) years ago I do vaguely remember those yeah I didn't used to buy them obviously (laughs) but <laughs> yeah, and I wrote a letter and it got printed and I didn't get paid, which annoyed me intently. The yes. two pounds, the two pounds that it was then, um, it annoyed me. Um, and so I had to write and I got it back and it annoyed me that they didn't give me the money for the stamp. Um, yep. <laughs> to, to, in those long before email. Um, so all these kinds of things really annoyed me. And the thing that really annoyed me the most was the fact that, it, that they didn't apologise. And that's that's always sort of stuck with me because I'm quite sort of big on manners. And I just think, you know, everyone makes mistakes, you know, that slip through the admin problem. I even got that at 11, you know, that it's okay. It's it's obviously it's it's slipped through the system, but at least apologise for it, particularly to an 11 year old, you know, 11, 12 year old. So I just think, you know, it was and it was always just stayed with me. I think these people are rude. But um, and then the other thing at when I was about. I think so 12 I think and um I had done one edition I had a few people helping me and we did one edition sold them for 50p a, a shot I think yeah. and um uh, on the second one I was getting annoyed that in PE uh, as it was then sort of before equality and all the rest of it the girls were playing um football which is you know, which is all great and everything but they boys weren't playing netball yeah you know and that kind of thing so it annoyed me that there wasn't equality. I was well ahead of my time in complaining about this stuff. And uh, so I sort of mentioned it to my dad and I said, this is wrong, you know, this is, this is wrong. And he said, well, I wonder what the Sex Discrimination Act would have to say about that. And uh, I think that's what... Looking at laws, really, <laughs> because I then just wrote an article saying, I wonder what the Sex Discrimination Act would have to say about girls playing football and boys not playing yeah. netball. Because as I say, as I say, different times back then, we would want everybody playing everything now, um, and uh, I got shut down. the The powers that yeah. be in the uh, team in, edu- in in the school shut it down. Um, so that was my first uh, experience of censorship. Yeah. But um, it, it just it annoyed me so much because I thought it was I was doing the right thing. And what was interesting about it was they did make the change they did make the change in the PA I can't remember what happened quite happened now but I think it, it, it did all change about what was playing so they took notice of it they actually took that feedback 
But instead of saying, you know, you're right, we're going to look at this more, they actually went, no, we're going to shut you up. So, you know, that that annoyed me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that started me um, on my path of, you know what, I'm going to fight for what's right. Yes. You know, and that's, and that's what I do. That's what I do. Even in my sort of working with kids when I got into sort of management and stuff, it was all about um, fighting for children's rights. Yeah, so there's a real strong theme of of, of fairness, um, and and this isn't yeah. about you know complaining and getting money. This is about getting people to do what like, they've committed to do. You know, whether that be you know whatever yeah, whatever they, yeah. whether they they've got a business and they're saying we're going to do this and you're going to get this in return for your money. Um, so there's a strong sense of fairness, which is something else that that you know that's something that runs in me pretty strongly. So. Um, I think I said yes. I mean, that, that, you know, what you described there with the magazine. I mean, that that describes a lot of situations that I can remember in my own career, when I'm saying, you know, this thing here is a problem for these reasons, and it's like people don't want to, they don't want to hear me, and I've ended up being being fired from jobs <laughs> because I've, you know, I've become in their eyes the troublemaker. Um, mm. And I, I suppose I do find it interesting. I mean, that that magazine example is very interesting because because they've actually gone on and made the changes, and I I, I know. I know yeah. that having been fired from jobs, the companies have then gone on to make, make changes in these areas. And it's like, what's all that about? I don't get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Why didn't you work with me? Why didn't you work with me? Yeah. And I could have helped you and supported you more and sold the idea to people and helped you with the change and all of that. And just actually, you know, it's companies trying to take credit for it when it's, you know, it's not their idea and, you know, it's it's all sorts of things about how how companies don't value staff there as well. Yeah, you know, well, and I think it, I think it's 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 you know an ego thing. They just don't like to be told they're wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and I, so I don't even know if it's just about they want to take credit. I don't I don't think it's that that sort of even that shallow necessarily. They're just really uncomfortable that someone's saying, but basically, you don't know what you're doing. You don't understand this. Yeah. You don't know how to fix it. <laughs> um. Yeah, and taking it taking it as criticism rather than actually we could work with you on improving. It's not you know it's not saying everything's wrong. It's just this is a way of improving things. Yes, you know, and that's that's what I see in a lot of a lot of companies because I now sort of um, help companies in improving their their customer service and their complaint handling, and it's and you can really see the companies that just don't want it. They just don't want to listen to what customers have to say. Whereas other clients that work with me, just they're like, I tell them things like, well, the customers think this and this is how you treat them as an individual. And have you looked at this and have you looked at that? And this is a different way. And they're so open to it. It's really quite interesting to see the difference in in companies and sort of sectors that are far more arrogant than others, shall we say? Yeah. And I, I suppose, um, I've, 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 as you know, I've had some experiences with, with LinkedIn recently being kicked off and all that kind of stuff. And I've had to go through a process to to get them to unrestrict my account and recognize that actually I haven't really done anything wrong. Um, and that was just a very mechanical process until I pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And eventually actually had a conversation with somebody. Um, and, you know, part of that conversation was, look, if, if, if you'd have just told me what the issue was, and given me the opportunity to explain it at the outset, you would have saved loads and loads of time, and I would have saved loads and loads of time. But but it seems to me that the reason, in their minds, the reason they have that approach in the first place is to save themselves some time, so they can just get through these things mm. without mm. without really having to deal with them. 
Yeah, so, and then and it all backfires because they end up having to take much longer when somebody takes it further and doesn't just accept it. Yes. Which is what happens in complaint, in complaint handling big time. So, I mean, so what is the, I mean, what, I suppose, what are the, what's the kind of thinking that you come up against in these, in these businesses? Because, I, I mean, I, I presume, you, you know, even when businesses ask you to help them, you still come up with, you know, you still, you still end up talking to businesses that really, you know, don't want to change. Um, not so much. No. I have to say that if if a client if a client is coming to me, I think probably because they see what I do and and how I do it, that they think, well, you know, there's no point in getting her in unless we're open to change, because that's you know it's so I work with the the I don't know so I'm working with the bank at the moment yeah. and I'm working with the senior directors now they might have now they I'm bringing in changes with them that's all about. Um, completely looking a complete change looking at how they write their letters to, to customers getting rid of the jargon getting yeah. rid of standard standard paragraphs and all that now they've met they've met with some difficulties you know from long-standing um staff who are like really uncomfortable saying well if we if we use our own initiative a bit more will we get into trouble for saying this and that so there's a little bit of that which is difficult yeah but that's that's down at that level and that's for them that's for the management to, to work with those people and, you know, and, and bring them on board and recognise their concerns and address them. Yep. And all that. Whereas I'm sort of more, more strategic. So I tend to work with people who are, who realise they need to make that change and, and want to make the change and then, then go and implement it. But it's a long process. Like the bank that I've been working with now has been all year at the moment. Oh, okay. half, but yeah. they're, all, they're already seeing you know, the improvement, they're already seeing customers saying to them, um, saying to their staff, uh, you didn't give me what I wanted, but thank you because you investigated the matter. You treated me as an individual. Yeah. Thank you very much. It was really good. Now, I think if somebody's thanking somebody for handling a complaint well, where they didn't even get what they wanted, that's, that's brilliant. You know, that means that's really good complaint handling. Yes. So I think when that kind of thing happens, everybody sees that actually it is a change for the better. It, it really is because, you know, if, if, if you can get it right for somebody that isn't getting what they want, then it's much easier to get it right for, for somebody where you are giving them what they want. You know, so I think it's um, it's it, the, the, the challenges come sort of at different points is where people have done something for so long. I think in certain sectors like, you know, telecoms where they are, just appalling they are appalling um yeah. you know noble's got a good story to, to to say about how they've about handled and i quite often get asked you know which supply is good who should i change who should i say change my broadband um supply to but the thing is because i hear so many complaints about all of them i think it's 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 just an arrogance that they don't need to invest in customer service they don't need to check to to invest in in complaint handling changes and training and and all of that because they know there's such a limited choice and because they're all bad it doesn't really matter because for everybody leaving company x to go to y there are just as many people leaving customer y <laughs> company y yeah, well, yeah so which is why I, yeah i actually think they they know that they believe that and they, that's their business model that we know we'll have people leave instead of actually investing in the customer service and complaint handling. Because I think if one of those companies actually invested, um, you know, a lot of money and actually made a change, they would be ahead of the game 
and people would pay that little bit extra for better customer service but they don't see it and they won't take that that little bit of risk for a couple of years which is very arrogant well and what's i mean what's happened in that instance is that there's there's another industry that's 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 been sort of generated from that to enable people to swap swap providers yeah you know with, with gas yeah. and electric all those sort of things so it, it fundamentally comes down to price doesn't it yes it's like they're all crap no one's yeah. going to give you a good service so you may as well go for price and then it's a it's the, the old race to the bottom isn't it yes it is absolutely race to the bottom because the companies just think well we've got to just do it as cheap as possible instead of going actually you know what Let's make it a little bit more and invest that money. And of course, they would take a hit. They would take a financial hit for a couple of years because yep. they would be investing what they would normally take as their profits and all the rest of it. But they would reap the rewards in five years' time. But it's all run by people who don't who don't get that or don't want to. They just want the state to keep the status quo. Well, look, and, and again, I, I suppose, and, and you know, I've, I've worked in businesses, not not really big businesses, but but you know, you you do get the strong sense that actually, if the guys at the top are are still getting their big wedge of money personally, then why would they care? Yeah. If they're earning so much money that, that they don't need, you know, they're, they're financially secure. And, and I suppose that's in, that some of those senior jobs, you, you'd only, you know, from nothing, you'd only have to be in one of those jobs for a few years, wouldn't you, to be able to stuff enough, much, you know, yeah. stuff enough money in your mattress to, to live forever. Yeah. Um, so th- there's no real, I don't know, no real, incentive. real pressure no to, incentive. to change. No. Yeah. No. Um, so I suppose it's interesting. And I think also that, you know, I, I've not actually worked in a business where where they measure any, you know, they all have their KPIs, you know, the financial ones. And I've worked in manufacturing. So there are there are manufacturing KPIs, but but never anything on a human level. No, that's the thing. That's the thing. And for for consumers, you ask consumers what what annoys them about complaint handling. It's being fobbed off. It's it's having to go around and around in circles. It's, you know, all those kinds of things, which, which they don't measure. They don't, they don't measure the frustrations of customers. They, they, they will measure the end result, you know, how many were resolved, how, you know, how long was somebody on the phone call for, but they don't, they don't measure how many times that same person had to be on a phone call, you know, that kind of thing. And that's the kind of thing that, that really frustrates customers. And they don't, they don't get it because they'll send out a feedback form you know, to people, mostly most people who won't, res- won't won't respond. There's no incentive for anybody to actually fill out um, any feedback, so they're not really genuinely getting feedback from customers either. Whereas, if they actually listened to what customers were saying, they could make a lot of difference to their company. Yes, and, and I suppose it, it makes me wonder whether some, you know, it's partly intentional. I suppose one of the reasons why I don't complain, or, or one of the things that stops me from complaining, is is it worth the cost? I.e the time, the pain, the frustration to actually get this thing resolved because, you know, you, you know it's going to be difficult. You know if you've got to deal with your bank. Although saying that, I mean, my, my experience with my bank and my bank with Barclays has been generally pretty good, although I haven't had any significant issues to deal with. Um, but I just wonder whether the, this is intentional. I mean, mm. my, my conversations with, with LinkedIn, you know, they, she pretty much said, you know, well, she, she did actually say, you know, we, we have to, we can't make it too easy for people to contact us or we'll be inundated. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that's mad. It's like, right. Okay. So what, what you're telling me is that you have so many problems with your platform that you couldn't cope with dealing with all the complaints, yeah. <laughs> which means the complaints just rack up and rack yeah. up. Don't and they? then you also frustrate people 
because they can't contact you. So that by the time they have got to you, they're more annoyed than they were in the first place. And that's, yeah. you know, they, they don't measure that <laughs> at all. You know, it is, it is like the, the companies that are, um, you know, many companies now are taking off their uh, email address because they don't want people emailing or they only want people using a chatbot or they only want people using social media and all this kind of thing, which makes it more difficult to complain. But it's, yes. it's ridiculous. I mean, I do have a, um, a way around that, which is you write to the CEO. So you go to ceoemail.com and you get the CEO's yes. <laughs> email address. So that's always great for getting around that. But people don't always know that. And also, I always say to people that, they, um, that the best way of complaining is always in writing, because if you have to take the matter further, you've got the evidence. Whereas if you've got a phone call, yes. you haven't got the evidence. And that's another reason why companies are wanting you to phone and not write. You know, I very say very cynically, but I'm sure there's a lot of truth in that. Because if you've got that in writing, you want to go to court or you want to go to an ombudsman, you've got all your evidence there. You haven't if you've got a phone call. You haven't got the evidence of how many times you had to phone and all of that kind of stuff. So, yes, I'm, I have to say I'm really quite cynical about it. <laughs> well, I, 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 I think rightfully so. And I, and I, I don't know. I mean, what, what's your view in terms of, of technology and the impact that's had? You know, on the face of it, it supposedly makes makes us more connected. It makes us makes it easier to contact people. But um, again, just referring to my latest experience with LinkedIn, now I found out. You know, you, you are dealing with a human, but they're just pressing a button to send you yeah. a standard response to whatever yeah. inquiry you've got. Um, so they're just they're just people. You know, I don't know. In a in a, an office with no windows somewhere, just just banging on buttons yeah. to Which, clear the decks. Well, yeah, and, you know, yeah, just that, so really frustrating standard response you know and actually that didn't answer my query you didn't have the courtesy of actually reading what my issue was you know those kinds of things that you know they're right in there in the long list of what of what frustrates consumers yeah so i mean who who in your view who are who are very good at customer service um um <laughs> That's too uh, difficult to find to think of someone. Uh, yeah, because any time that I say, you know, they've done, they've they've dealt with me really well, or they've dealt with somebody over there very well, somebody will come out and say, "Well, that was better than my experience," because quite often you find with the big the big companies, it comes down to maybe store level. So you might find the Debenhams in in the north is really good, and then one in the south is not, or you know that kind of stuff. Um, I think small businesses yep. tend to tend to be better than big because they just in in that human touch. Um, but yes, I would say yes. the big ones. It's yeah. very very hard to say because somebody say, "Oh, this this company's really really good," but there will always be somebody who says it isn't. So that's why I never recommend anyone because nobody. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. That's what I always say. Everyone makes mistakes. It's how you deal with them that that matters. Well, it's just. It... Look, it's just it's just actually sort of a bit of a mm. hands up. Yeah, we've we've screwed up, and and you know again that was the tone of the conversation I had with with the person at LinkedIn was a bit. Yeah, look, I can see we know the problems we've got, and we're trying to find a way to to, to deal with it. But it's so huge, and so the other interesting thing is that it's like as you say, you know, the smaller the business are, that I suppose I don't know. Typically, the better they are at, at um, dealing with complaints, but that's that to me is because it's yeah. human. You're immediately into a human exchange. I mean, I, I, one thing that I, one thing I always remember. I mean, I've, I've got some salt and pepper grinders, which I bought 
I don't know, they must have been in, in our house for 20 years. Um, and they were quite quite nice ones. And I remember I'd, I'd had them for a couple of years and, and a part broke. So I, I found the company, I emailed them and actually they were out of warranty. So I said, you know, can I, can I buy a new part? And they just sent me a part. Okay. This is just salt and pepper grinder. But I remember that as that was really good. Yes. And that, and, yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing about that is that you will tell people, you know, that's what companies don't seem to get that actually yeah. your customers when you when you handle things, your customers are your best marketing tool that don't cost you anything. All you've got to do is the right thing. <laughs> and it seems to be so hard for many companies to do that. But, but you know, and maybe that does run into to human nature. You know, if you think about how we're sort of we're, we're conditioned to, I don't know, fear being wrong. We're criticised for being wrong from a from a very young age. You know, the education system measures us. We're either mm. you know, good or mm. bad at something. Um, so I do wonder whether, and, and, and I know we, we sort of touched on this, and you don't really deal with, with, with other cultures. So um, it, it might be interesting to sort of understand what it is like in, in, in different countries. And maybe someone who listens to this might have some different experience. But we as British people, um, you know, the example of the magazine... It's almost like, yeah, we don't want to admit that we're wrong, but we are admitting that we're wrong because we're going to go and change it. (laughs) But but what we don't want is someone then talking about it, which is what your magazine probably would have done, wouldn't it? And that not not necessarily in a negative way. This is what I mean about people, you know, (laughs) the, the, the fact that this was 40 years ago, it's the equivalent of still happening in businesses now. You know, that they don't realise that actually it could be a good thing that people are talking about the changes that you made. Yes, you got it wrong, but look what you're doing to get it right. And you listen to the customer to do it. It's, yeah. a, it's a huge sell. It's a huge win. But, but companies just don't get it. No. And then that is, you know, again, <laughs> I was banging on about this LinkedIn thing. But um, the woman I was talking to had obviously seen the email that I sent to the CEO. It probably been diverted from him yeah. straight to a particular, yeah. you know, straight to that team. But she made that comment, you know, oh, don't don't tell all your friends to email the CEO. You just you? say, just say, Helen does it right, because, all because, the time, all the time. Yeah. Well, but probably. So what? That's what's that about? I mean, that's about well, if it, if if someone emails the CEO with a complaint, it's more likely to land on her desk. Yes, exactly. And she doesn't exactly. want that I mean, to happen. I mean, what I would say to people is that ceoemail.com, just in case people were missed it, um, is brilliant. It's brilliant because even if one is yeah. out of date or one's in the very rare event that the company's missing, you just email the editor and he gets it. It's very clever. Um, he gets the email, so no, you know, people go, oh, go to company's house and all this. And I said, no, there's no need. It's really easy now. And he gets tens of thousands of hits a day. Um, but it does, it's very rare that the CEO will respond personally. Some do. Um, some do. Some do. Um, yeah. But it's, it's getting rarer. Um, but they will have a department. So it just means that it, it bypasses the customer services. It, um, you know, it gets the matter escalated. And it's very, very rare that you don't get a response now from a ceo's department so it, it is the way to go it is the way to go and and share the tip <laughs> well yeah because i mean you're actually getting in at a level where if that if that is picked up and passed on to someone from the ceo mm. they're going to mm-hmm. have to go and answer that question aren't they to the ceo if no one else and then and then there is the yeah the, the motivation that's to do probably it being monitored you know if it's come from the ceo even if it's the ceo's pa that's forwarded it 
you know, there's going to be a how many how many emails have have come in and you know and have they been sorted? You know, it's very very rare that that a matter doesn't get sorted when it's gone to the CEO's office. Yeah. So I, I suppose you know again I, I just sort of come back to my my own reluctance and I've, I, I I complain more now <laughs> as I've got older and maybe that's because I just don't give a shit I don't give a shit as much anymore. Um, and I suppose the, the things the things I have to complain about are, are are generally pretty insignificant, I suppose, in the scheme of things, or they're things that might have been more important to me, you know, when I was younger. What's your sort of what, what are your thoughts? What are your, I don't know, what are your your tips, your 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 advice for people who, who feel the same as I used to? You know, it's like it's not worth it, there's um, no point. Well, first of all, I'd say buy my book because that will really help you. Um <laughs> Yeah. It's and what is your book called? The Essential Consumer Guide to Getting Refunds, Redress and Results. Um, I mean, sort of joking apart, that yeah. it is useful because there's lots of templates in there. And that's one of the things that people find hard. They don't know what to write and how to write it. And, and there, is, there is a knack yeah. to it. So it is always about making sure you put your complaint in writing so that you've got the evidence. It's about making sure that you say what's happened objectively um it's making sure you give all the information like your account details people quite often don't do that so that you're making the companies struggle to find it um, yeah you want to say this has happened this has happened bullet point it at the end and say uh i want to have, re- have a response by this date so you you give them that um and if i don't hear by this date yeah. this is what i will do which it might be an ombudsman might be going to court um, and, and to say what you want to happen, because, again, lots of people just go, I'm complaining about this, but I don't actually know what I want to happen. You know, is it an apology? Is it a change yes. of training? Is it a refund? Is it, you know, a refund and not a repair because it's old? You know, all these kinds of things are the things that sort of people don't know. People don't know the consumer laws. Um, and you don't need to be a lawyer to know. You know, you just need to know where to look. You just need to know where to look no. and, and the knack. Of, of writing this stuff you know because the amount of people I've helped and they're just like well you look at the letter and you go well that's that's why you haven't that's why you haven't got your refund because you haven't said what you want or you haven't explained the issue or you didn't give them a deadline or you know there's always I can always see why they didn't get the didn't get you know the refund so or you know some some redress of whatever it is that they want it's always usually quite easy to see why they didn't get it um so so you know yes. the advice of what are to do all those sort of things really um and, you know, that, that, and always just in writing, because the amount of people who phone, just do it in writing. As I say, it's, you go to the CEO. If they're not going to provide a customer services email address, just go to the CEO and say, I will not. And, just, and I'll do what I do in, in emails and just go, I refuse to discuss this matter on the phone. So therefore, I am writing to you as the only email address available. And I think more people who do that, then yes. uh, these people will start to put their email addresses back. <laughs> Well, yeah, I suppose maybe it will just they'll just become so swamped that they'll they'll try another deflection technique. But I suppose that, that's just interesting what you say. You know, it's, it's really about giving them giving them less opportunity to delay things by mm-hmm. giving them all the information, telling them what you want, that's telling right. them what you expect to happen, and tell, telling them that you understand yes. where you yeah. stand legally. It's always, yeah. So it's like that. There's nowhere to hide, and 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 it's quite an interesting. One. I mean, I I got some. I think I told you the other day. I got some some PPI money back, um, and firstly, I used uh, one of these bloody companies because again, it's like I don't know. I don't know what to do. 
and and I, I got some money back through them, yeah. and obviously they took a chunk of it. Um, and then and then it, it just sort of rolled on, and then it's like other things came up. So so I I, I ended up going on. It was Martin's money, yeah. whatever Martin's money expert site, and downloaded a letter and just wrote some letters. And one day, money just started. Chunks of money just yeah. started appearing in my yeah. bank account, <laughs> and that was all it took. There was no further interaction. It was just a letter. Yeah, there that- you go. They paid me the money. PPI, I mean, the deadline's gone now, but the PPI, but the other thing that's like that is the, is the refunds for, um, or the compensation for delayed flights and cancelled flights um, and all of that. Yeah. Now that, you know, you've got companies now that are doing that and taking 25%. It's so easy. You just, you just write to the company, whether they want you to phone or not, you write and you say, I want that, you know, it's got to be back within, within you know, seven days. This is why I want my, my money. And uh, it's under the EC one, whatever it is. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, you know, but you say this is it. Yeah. I am. I do not want a voucher, um, and that's it. And it's really easy. And those claim companies are not doing anything different. Not one thing different to what to what no. you can do yourself. So oh, that's another piece of advice. Don't ever use, you know, a, a, a solicitor or one of these firms that do all this kind of stuff with PPI and the, and the claims flights because it is so very easy to do yourself. Yeah. So, so do you write about this stuff? Do you blog about this stuff still? Yeah. Do you? I mean, yeah. is there? So, where where would someone find uh, your blog? Complainingcow.co.uk. Okay. Excellent. And I guess you're on the, the, the usual social I media am, channels. You're obviously on LinkedIn because yeah. that's how we met. <laughs> I'm on but, LinkedIn, uh, yeah. on Twitter, at Complaining Cow, and Facebook is The Complaining Cow. Excellent. I don't, I, I don't do any of the others because I do so much, so much time wasting on social media that I don't go on any others. Yeah, so I've been, I've been starting to manage my time a lot better on social media because it, it's, um, yeah, it can give you the impression that you're, you're busy yes. and productive, can't it? <laughs> when actually you're just spending your day talking bollocks absolutely, with people you don't know. Absolutely, and then get and then getting into arguments with people that you're never going to meet and that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a waste! Yes. What a waste of time. But uh, and look, I think that's that's part of part of the issue is that there's there's this whole there's this sort of pretense that we're all well connected and blah 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 all this sort of stuff, but actually we're not. We're more and more disconnected. Mm. You know, we're we're less likely when we're when certainly with bigger companies. If we want, if we've got a problem, we're less likely, or it's going to take us a long time, a lot of frustration before we actually get to talk to a yeah. human. Yeah. Um, in the same way, we get. You know, I've done it before. I got into a, not not really arguments as such, but you get into a disagreement with somebody on on social media, and then it just turns into this thing that's like, Jesus, what what happened there? And in the end, you know, and I'll, I'll often approach them to say, look, can we have a chat about this? And then you do, and you actually get on really well. And you realise you've got quite a lot in common, mm. you know, so um, you actually understand where they're coming from a bit more and you can move on from that sort of stuff, which if you take the human, the nuances of us as humans out of it, um, yeah. it's, it's lost, yeah. isn't it? I think there's a lot of good, but there's a lot of bad in social media. Yes, I think we just need to be a bit more aware yeah. of the bad stuff so we can behave differently, perhaps. But, uh, but anyway, look, thank you very much, Helen, for coming on um that's been that's been interesting i've enjoyed that um and i will uh i will see you around on linkedin and uh, i'll look you up on the other channels actually because i haven't yet but i'll, <laughs> okay, I'll do that today okay cheers all right bye, cheers bye. helen yeah, bye. Bye. Yeah, take take care
Hello, and thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Bullshit Detective podcast. Thanks also to Helen today for coming on and having a chat. Most enjoyable. Uh, Do remember to subscribe wherever you usually get your podcasts so you don't miss any of this stuff again. Looking forward to speaking to you in the near future. Cheers now. Bye-bye.